So here you go, Tony. Touchdown drive would win the Super Bowl. You know, they say a generation is 20 years. It's been 20 years. 20 years? 20 years. I didn't know that. That's a generation. It's been 20 years since the Patriots went back-to-back, and the Chiefs can accomplish that if they can go 75 yards and score a touchdown and win the game. Well, you have the right guy to do it. The last time they did it, his name was Tom Brady. So the next guy, the opportunity, Patrick Mahomes. They're going to attack it from out of the shotgun with the game on the line. Going to jump off sides first. Mahomes has it. He's easily going to get the first. Do you really think that you would ever, with a Super Bowl on the line, just say, Patrick, give it to somebody else? Mahomes goes over 300 yards with that completion. He's got a third and six. They come after him when they've been up in here. I expect him to drop out this time. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. Up ahead he goes. Rice has the first down, and he's out of bounds at the 40. Third and a football. Yeah, not a big deal now unless you don't get it. Go up top. Mahomes cradles it and goes down to the 13-yard line. Steve Wilkes, who's called such a great game defensively, having to go against Mahomes, the most unenviable task, when Mahomes knows what he must do. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy Reid special we talked about. He was saving all day. He's going to fake a motion to go across. And at that moment, he turns and goes back. Hartman, who they didn't have, right? And they go get Hartman and bring him back. And the game-winning drive of Mahomes' career, he's been waiting for. He's won Super Bowls, but he's never had it in an overtime. He is the best. He is the standard. Your Michael Jordan wins it again. there you watched it last night Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs three-time Super Bowl champions back-to-back 25 to 22 in an overtime thriller wasn't a great game for the first half or so into the second but it really picked up had the drama had an overtime the second overtime Super Bowl that we've had ever certainly an entertaining finish there I think as far as the common fan probably cheering for the Niners not wanting to see Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey yucking it up and kissing on, on TV after the, the end of the things. But, hey, by the way, what's up? It's The Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, I'm back from... Haven't heard that voice in a while. I know. Paternity leave. Appreciate you guys holding down the fort. Appreciate uh, everything at Atlanta Inquirer as well. I've had a nice little break. Uh, excited to get back and, and talk some sports for sure. Uh, you know, my daughter Nellie, who, by the way, is doing great, very healthy and happy uh, my wife doing well uh, also. I appreciate all the, the well wishes I've gotten out there. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk too much in, in terms of my normal uh, volume as that goes. So I, I'm really excited to to break it down, interact with the text line, get back into the normal side of things. But it's been a nice break. Uh, appreciate it for sure. And let's dive into it. we got a lot to talk about. we got the Super Bowl. Obviously, Illinois basketball will talk a lot about that, a very disappointing finish in East Lansing on Saturday. Uh, really a gut-wrenching loss for the Illini. And still a team sitting there second place in the Big Ten. And it, it just would have been a really nice luxury to have that quad one win, to, to win in East Lansing, to have the Big Ten title chase still really in the picture. Now Purdue very clearly in the driver's seat as they're chugging along there. But we're going to talk a lot of Illini basketball as we go along. Let's we'll start with the Super Bowl as it's the, the biggest story of the weekend, and, and we're coming fresh off of, of last night. So, Kyle, what would you think of the Super Bowl? Let's, let's dive into this. Patrick Mahomes, he's been a full-time starter for six seasons. He already has three Super Bowls. It felt very Brady-like 
where he doesn't have his best game, but you give him a chance in the clutch and he's going to show up and make the plays. He needed a field goal late to send it to overtime. He got it. And then the Niners getting the ball first, which I know that's something to talk about. They get a field goal, open the door for Patrick Mahomes to go downfield and, and win the game. He does it. And they're dancing again with the Super Bowl trophy. So what did you make of it? First off, welcome back to you, by the Thank way. Thank you, man. Appreciate Lante it. not here to welcome you back. Ah, shocker. I will say, Lon, he handled the show himself on Friday. He had uh, Jason and Corey, his guys in here. Mm-hmm. Just a little glimpse at how that went. I was on the phone with him, walking him through how to like set up the recorded hour. Uh-huh. And halfway through the call, he goes, whoops, my mic was on. <laughs> <laughs> So that's just that's a great. glimpse at how Friday went. There you go. So now the uh, the listening audience could come in and input the recorded hour as well. So uh, we appreciate that. If we need a backup, we'll uh, we'll call on anybody that was listening into that. Definitely. But back to your original question. That was I, I enjoyed that game. It was slow in the first half. Defensive battle. Not a whole lot going on. Second half and overtime. I thought it was a heck of a game. Heck of a finish. You said it perfectly, really. It was some Brady-like nature to it and just where you felt like, man, if you're going to give Mahomes the ball with the game in his hands, that is not what you want to do. And that's really what the Niners did twice, where they had that third down where they were creeping into Chiefs territory with like two minutes left right at the two-minute warning, and they can't get anything going. They have to settle for a field goal. Mahomes gets the ball back with a minute 57 left down three Mm. games in his hands. Now they didn't end up scoring a touchdown, even though they were close to, if there was two ten left instead of one they'd probably score a touchdown there. Then you go to overtime and yeah, you take the ball first. If you're going to take the ball first, you better go get seven and not three. Cause if you're going to go get three and let Mahomes have the ball, only needing seven to clinch the Super Bowl. I knew as soon as the 49ers settled for three inside the 10, game was over. You can't you can't put the ball in his hands, and you knew that he was going to make every play. There was a fourth down and a couple third downs and picked up a couple with his legs, made a huge throw on third and six when they blitzed him to, to hit Rishi Rice. Like, it's just the greatest quarterback in our game right now, and it's pretty – as much as – some of the antics this year with Mahomes have yeah. kind of bothered me a little bit. I just love watching that guy play quarterback. He is something else. He's so talented. He's very clutch, obviously. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I don't dislike Patrick Mahomes. I, I didn't like the Josh Allen exchange in the middle of the season, which, of course, did end up swinging the home field advantage as it played out. Had to go to Buffalo. But, man, credit to Mahomes, who did something that, Brady didn't until late in his career. It was with the Bucks where he had to go on the road and play a road game in New Orleans, play a road game in Green Bay, then to get to the Super Bowl. This Chiefs team where late in the regular season, midway through into the, the latter portion of, of the second half of the year, it's like this team just doesn't have it. I know obviously you got the familiar faces of Mahomes and Kelsey and, and Andy Reid uh, at the helm there, but just seemed like it wasn't going to be KC's year. They lose on Christmas at home to the Raiders. And I actually, I, I regrettably bet your Dolphins to beat them uh, in the first round of the, the playoffs. I, admittedly, I should have looked probably a little closer at how banged up that Dolphins defense was. Uh, but they were able to beat them. Then they go on the road and beat Buffalo. Uh, they go on the road and beat Baltimore when Baltimore was a very, very popular pick amongst the, the just the, the, the general public thinking that it's going to be Lamar, it's going to be that that Ravens defense, that the weapons around Mahomes, which have been a big storyline all year, and that outside of Kelsey, it's Rishi Rice, who's a good receiver, a second-round pick, who's played well, but uh, the receiving drops and Kadarius Toney, whatever the heck has happened to him, just didn't seem like they, they would have it. But here you go, the third game in a row when the Chiefs are an underdog and they're playing the Niners – I would have. I know I didn't give out a pick because I wasn't on the air. I, if I had to pick a team going into this Super Bowl, and I think that you were in the same boat, Kyle, because we kind of jointly said we're we're done picking against Patrick Mahomes. I would have picked the Chiefs, and it played out that way. But man, a real disappointing one for the Niners and Kyle Shanahan. I didn't realize this until today. I, w- I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast and. You got to rope in the disappointment of Shanahan was the OC for the Falcons when it was 28 to 3 and they were losing they were winning against Brady. Brady comes back and wins that game. 
Then you have the the first iteration of this clash in 2020, where it was I think it was 20 to 10 in the early part of the fourth quarter. Niners up on the Chiefs back in 2020. Mahomes throws a pick. Niners get the ball, but they didn't do anything with it. And then the Chiefs score three straight touchdowns on three consecutive drives and win that one 31 to 20. And in this one, the Chiefs were doing nothing offensively. Travis Kelsey had one yard at halftime. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, on the flip side, the only player with a touchdown pass in the first half was Juwan Jennings. So that was a little bit of a a wonky nature of, of just the way that the game was going. But, yeah, the fact that you had Mahomes trailing, they weren't having a very good day offensively, and then some chances late to get a little bit more, get that touchdown instead of a field goal. And then I want to talk about the decision. Admittedly, sitting on the couch and after having some sodas, I had totally forgotten what the uh, overtime rules were. I told uh, my wife's like, you know what? So how does overtime work in the Super Bowl? And I I was like, uh, all right, so it's different than the regular season. And the little angel on my shoulder was like, yeah, he's got this, by the way. He's going to know. I'm I'm like, all right, so it's different than the regular season. I think it might be back to first team to score wins. Nah, wrong. No. So uh, the Niners got the ball which seemed to be the wrong choice because they kicked the field goal. And regardless, even if they would have... I wasn't sure what to make of that decision at first because I understood like, okay, each team gets the ball, but let's say the Niners score a touchdown, the Chiefs answer the touchdown, then the Niners could win with anything. But then the Chiefs said after the game, which I didn't really think about, they would have gone for two had the Niners scored, which is a smart move in my opinion. So really to me, there's no reason to take the ball there. You need to know what you want. You need to know what you have to get, be able to go for it on fourth downs, not have to settle for three. It, it's just, yeah, that's one that they're really regretting. And then you hear some of these players come out and say, we had no clue the, that this was even the rule. I, I didn't know what the rule was. I, I was surprised to learn. Okay, th- actually, that a makes touchdown. sense because that's a recent development. If you're the head coach yeah, of the I team know, in the Super Bowl, you need to know the rule of overtime. You're right. And have everybody on your team, the captain you're sending out there for the coin toss, know exactly where you guys stand on that. And it seemed like to me that the Niners didn't even know what the rule was. They just True. thought they could march down and score a touchdown It'd and be win. over. I, I would have loved to see that. If they scored a touchdown, would they have like ran on the field yeah. and gotten a 15-yard <laughs> penalty because they thought it was over? That'd be hilarious. That's the thing. Like They could have scored a touchdown, then like gone for two, ran the Boise State Statue of Liberty, had Christian McCaffrey go in. I think he might be engaged or married already. Get on a knee and propose, even if he's not. Uh, and and in, they'd have to kick off and give the Chiefs a chance to score a touchdown and get the two. So all the the excitement and celebration. And admit it, Admittedly, I probably would have been duped if I didn't then have been refreshed of the, the rules. But like, oh, the game's over uh, if, if they get in for a touchdown. But they kick a field goal. The Chiefs get the ball, and really I thought about it too because that initial part of the drive, the Chiefs got put in a fourth and one. I think it was on their own 36, and if they get the ball first, maybe they go for it, maybe they don't. That's a risky spot to go for it. The game's over. probably going to go for it and put in Mahomes' hands on that same play But it's at least – it was a great great play. And he he really hurt the Niners with his legs. I know his end-of-the-game stats, when you end up seeing he throws for 333 – has a couple touchdowns. Did he have a couple or did he only have one? The, the, he had two, he had two with two. the okay. game winner. That's right. That it, it looks like, okay, Mahomes did Mahomes things, but for the most part until like the fourth quarter, didn't have a lot of production through the air, but it was 66 yards on the ground that he kind of was able to continue to extend, extend drives and, and make plays that way. But yeah, that was a huge conversion. And then just the way that they were able to, to get down there and score, it, it felt... I wouldn't call it anticlimactic because it was it was very drama filled, but I think a lot of people it set in in their minds. Okay, Mahomes, the best quarterback, maybe the second best quarterback we've ever seen, is having the ball in his hands with the game on the line, and we know this the way this is going to go, and it it did. Yeah, it just I, Mahomes to me is totally in that stratosphere of like if he has the ball with a chance to win a game, he's going to go win the game, and if he doesn't, it's shocking. Truly, and I I can't think of a time where he hasn't come through in those moments. I know that obviously they lost the one Super Bowl. What was that to Tampa? To Tampa and Tom Brady. Yep. But I I just man, and again you talked about it like this Chiefs team heading into the playoffs. 
there was no thought that this Chief team. Now I know you, you had to factor them in because they have Mahomes. You wouldn't want to play them, but still. But when you came into the playoffs, you picking a Super Bowl champ, they're probably fourth or fifth team that would come up in most people's minds because just the path and like you got to go on the road to Buffalo, then on the road to Baltimore, two teams who are really good with two really good quarterbacks. And then San Francisco's waiting there in the NFC if it was going to be them. And he just he took care of all of them. And I know it, the Chiefs defense deserves a ton of credit because they were outstanding all year. That's the one thing that has gotten lost in the well. The I'm Chiefs glad. are a little bit down yep. this year. Is It might be the best defense that Mahomes has had. But at the same time, it just seemed like throughout these playoffs, he put it in his hands and he made it happen when it mattered, did it in Buffalo, sort of did it in Baltimore. I know the Ravens had chances, but he had that drive to clinch the game. And uh, and then did it in the Super Bowl a couple times. Obviously, you got the field goal to tie, and then you just knew when the Niners settled for three in overtime that you just cannot hand it to him with a chance to win. It's just uh, he's on a different level. And, yeah, I, to me, and, again, I I haven't been alive long enough to, to watch a lot of quarterbacks, but, man, if you look at resumes and you just look at pace and what Mahomes has done – be pretty hard to not have him as already right there in that top two to three of all time he's sure. 28 years old and has three Super Bowls three Super Bowl MVPs been there four times six at six conference championship games uh, yeah. three regular season MVPs or two um I got it in front of me he's got two okay yep and probably again you probably could have made cases for a third or a fourth you know sure but Voter fatigue is a thing. <laughs> yeah, voter fatigue, fan fatigue, and it, it, it kind of gets into the situation. I know you add in the Taylor Swift thing, and you, you add in some of that that stuff with the Chiefs that people have had some some Chiefs exhaustion, really actively rooted for this not to be the year uh, in particular that you'd see the Chiefs do it. Uh, but ultimately, you do got to appreciate the greatness portion of it, and the fact that we are having this conversation where it's so rare to talk about a. A resume of a Tom Brady. If you would say, okay, a quarterback won seven Super Bowls and we're not far removed from his retirement and we're already talking about a guy that may challenge him right. for that top spot is unbelievable. And he's not there yet, no, even close, but he's 28 years old. Right. And I said he's been a starter for six years, uh, full-time yeah. starter for six years. He's 28. You still have this – I mean, he's going to not have Kelsey for you know maybe three, four years down the road. Then you're probably going to have to – cycle in a new primary weapon for him but wonder Andy, how long Andy Reid stays around good there question. as well good question but still I mean you can we saw different versions of Brady as they put pieces around him of course then they brought Gronk into the fold after those that first phase where really it felt like early Tom Brady he got the benefit of a really good defense and sometimes won some Super Bowls where he didn't have the best of stat lines but it was Similar to the narrative now, Brady. I mean, Brady in comparison to Mahomes, the early portion of the statistical category. I know it's a different game uh, as far as it's developed when you're talking about early 2000s into now. But Mahomes is definitely the superior stat line guy if you're talking early portion of Brady's career versus early portion of of Mahomes. But Brady was one of those guys. You put the ball in his hands late, and he's going to make the clutch play to to have the win. And, and get his team, get Vinatieri to kick the field goal or obviously have a, a game-deciding touchdown. Mahomes obviously has that that feel about him as well. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought up the defense. Uh, I did want to go there before we kind of circle back and, and talk a little bit about Patrick as kind of the the window here for what he can do next and, and already where he's at in the historical context. But to face the offenses that they face, they faced Miami, who we know is is a super explosive with their weapons, but held them to seven points, seemed to pressure uh, Tua a lot in that game, never seemed comfortable. Uh, so I think Steve Spagnuolo has done a fantastic job as their D.C. Uh, 24 points they allowed. They won 27-24 on the road against Buffalo. Josh Allen in that game threw for less than 200 yards. So they kept him at bay and, and, and didn't give up too much there in a, a tough environment on the road. Ten points allowed against the Ravens. Lamar looked very out of sorts and uncomfortable and the the Chiefs defense held strong when it was early when KC scored on the, I think their first two possessions in that game 
but really went dry the rest of the game and and op- left the door open if if Baltimore ever got it going offensively they just never did so they went 17 to 10 there and then 22 points allowed last night uh three of those in, in overtime but the way that they blitzed Brock Purdy it was just really impressive what they were able to do and, and they're not like we're not talking about a, a ton of like superstar talent no. on that defense Chris Jones of course is is highly respected as an interior lineman is and he's due for a big payday right he's a free agent yeah that'd be that'd be very interesting to see where he lines up but just the fact that you're not spending huge dollars or having primetime stars on that end of the ball and and for them to to operate as they did as a unit again Spagnuolo I think deserves a lot of credit that was uh, certainly something that doesn't should not and I think after this game probably it is probably a subplot but needs to get more of that that limelight and, and recognition yeah no question they were great and even those two corners those two younger corners yeah. have developed into really good players and linebackers are really good like it's just it's a it's a really what's the right way to say it it's like you don't have a ton of superstar all pro caliber defensive players but there's no real holes on that defense you know it's just really well coached and I don't know. It's been it has been underrated because you've thought of like the early Mahomes years was they couldn't stop anybody. It was just Mahomes is thrown for fifty touchdowns and their offense was the best in the league with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and they're not stopping anybody. And now this was by far the worst in totality offensive season that Mahomes led Chiefs offense has had. That defense was really really good and they showed up in the playoffs when it mattered. And boy that. That third and four, I'm, I'm remembering that one play. Two-minute warning hits, third and four coming out of the two-minute warning for the Niners. They're at like the 38-yard line of the Chiefs or something. If they pick that up, they probably can run it down and kick a game-winning field goal. Mahomes doesn't touch the ball, and Spagnola dials up an all-out blitz, and uh, one of the corners got home and, and tipped a Brock Purdy pass attempt. They forced that field goal, get Mahomes the ball back. That was the play of the season, and truly mm. it was on defense because Mahomes doesn't even get a chance if that play doesn't happen. And there were plenty of those plays throughout the playoffs, thinking back especially to the Ravens game. And I know they held Josh Allen and the Bills were driving down, down 27-24 in that Buffalo game, and they stall out and they miss the field goal, and that's how they win it. So, yeah, that defense was great. That really was. That is kind of the – then I do feel like sometimes in, in talking about this Chiefs team, you have lost that and like, oh, the Chiefs are down. Look at these receivers. No, that's one of the best defenses in the NFL. That's a big reason they did it. Not to take anything away from Mahomes leading that team there, but that defense probably was the biggest reason the Chiefs were able to overcome all those AFC quote-unquote powers. Yeah, and it seems like every year, maybe midway through the season, we're talking about the Chiefs defense. Like, man, this is – they're towards the bottom of the yep. league in defense, and they get better down the stretch of the year and, and play seemingly their best football in the in the postseason. But this year, probably the most consistent they've had, like you said, probably the best defense as a whole that they've had on their side, and, and especially in terms of what they were able to do in the postseason. Uh, on the note, a couple of breaks the Chiefs caught. The, yeah. the fact of the fumbled punt, that was a huge for moment sure. for sure. There was – what was that – is that early fourth or maybe late third quarter where the Chiefs punted? Let's see, the Chiefs punted with 2.42 left in the third quarter. They're down 10 to 6, and you fumble it. Very next play, Mahomes throws it to Valdez Scantling in the end zone for a touchdown. So, talking about swing plays, things that they could have really, and that's where it was such a missed window, missed opportunity for the Niners because they felt like they could have put some more separation out there. Uh, to be able to make this a two-score game, and then the Chiefs maybe even if you, you have Mahomes turn it on late, it's just not going to be enough. And also the blocked extra point loomed very, very large when you think about even after after that Valdez Scantling touchdown. Then the Niners have a long seventy-five yard drive, score a touchdown, blocked extra point that makes it sixteen thirteen. So then as the teams trade field goals, you have Chiefs field goal, Niners field goal, Chiefs field goal at the end of regulation. The Chiefs would have needed a touchdown on that last drive instead of the, the game-tying field goal, and maybe there's a different result there without the, the blocked extra point. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those where as soon as it was blocked, you knew ah, that one's going to be important <laughs> down the line. But honestly, though, like if that extra point 
goes in and the Chiefs need a touchdown and the Saints. Now that probably kind of changes the course of everything, but it, it more so like if the Chiefs got the ball back in that same situation with a minute fifty six left or something, they would have had more urgency to get a right. touchdown. And I think they probably do. So I, That's a fair point. With yeah. Mahomes there. So they, with how easily they marched down the field. But at the same time, that is big. And you never know how that could have happened. And, yeah, the the punt, the muff punt was a huge one. Because, it, again, it was the Chiefs had done nothing offensively for almost the entire game. Now, they had, at that point, I think they had kicked another field goal in the third quarter to get to six. But then they're punting it away. Niners lead, what, 10-6 at that point. Chiefs have done nothing on offense, and you're handing Mahomes the ball at, like, the 12. And it one play touchdown, Chiefs lead just like that. I mean, mm. you'd, if you're trying to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, that cannot happen if you're the Niners. And they fumbled. They had another fumble earlier in the game, didn't they, on their first drive? Where they the had very a, first drive. a great first McCaffrey drive of the game, and McCaffrey fumbled close to the red zone or maybe in the red zone. So, yeah, that's the type of stuff that you just can't have if you're the Niners who they had such a good year. I thought for mm. most of the year I thought it was going to be their year. Now they didn't look as great in the playoffs leading up to this game. Especially Purdy. Especially Purdy, and he didn't play great. I, I didn't think he did anything too poorly in that game, but he just didn't make it. There's just a difference. It's Brock Purdy oh, versus yeah. Patrick Mahomes, and you saw that play out when it needed to play out. So that's really what it came down to. That Niners D, heck of an effort, though, for most of that game. Obviously didn't get no the doubt. stop they needed to get, but you'll take that defensive performance if you ask Kyle Shanahan before the game against Mahomes and the Chiefs every day. Yeah, you hold the Chiefs to 19 points, the regulation. You think you're holding the Super Bowl yeah, trophy. And you probably should be. One of the touchdowns came on a 12-yard drive yes. off a muff punt like yeah the uh, defense did everything they could yep but on the note of Mahomes, i mean just the the spectacular postseason resume right now like you said he's been to is it seven afc championship games in a row is it i think well he's started for six years oh, okay sorry all yeah. six every every year he's been a starter afc championship game appearance man he's been to four super bowls he's won three of them as a starter in, as a starter in the playoffs, he's fifteen and three. He's fifteen and three in the playoffs. Forty-one touchdowns, eight picks, one hundred six quarterback rating. And then last night Absurd. was one of his most productive, his second most rushing yards in the game. Again, sixty-six on the ground. That's unbelievable. That's absurd, man. Give me one 15 of those and three. guys. Imagine rooting for that type of quarterback. It'd be nice. It would. It would be <laughs> life changing to have that guy where you know it is. It's like it's when the Bulls had Jordan. Yeah, basically. it's like right. I got the best player in this league, and the league runs through me mm-hmm. until somebody else. Now, I, again, it, it's harder in football to have that level of dominance, but use that dynasty word, and it's pretty applicable I mean, it is a to dynasty. this Chiefs team. Yeah, for sure. I know the Warriors had one too. But it's a little different. I do think that there's some Steph Curry and Mahomes kind of parallels because there were some questions about Curry transitioning to the NBA, where you know he was he was dynamic in college and and he just he does some different. He's different stylistically, kind of than what we've ever seen. And the, you know people passed up on him on some picks. Of course, then they they build a dynasty. They win a bunch of titles. One of the differences is that where the Warriors added. Kevin Durant to what they already had. The Chiefs lost Tyree Kill, and there were a lot of questions of like, okay, is this going to derail what Patrick Mahomes has had going? But they have won back-to-back Super Bowls uh, without that guy. So just nuts. Just absolutely nuts. Uh, it's just kind of the the situation now has to be heading into an NFL season is it runs through Mahomes until somebody proves otherwise. Because Tom Brady was able to prove otherwise one year, but Tom Brady's not in the league anymore. So, yep. Well, well, that, that's that's how I'm approaching next season. Is this thing runs through Mahomes until somebody else takes him down? There's a lot of years left to then get to the point where you're going to compare, have a full resume to compare against Brady. But just for a note here, I know we got to catch a break. Tom Brady's postseason record all time was 35 and 13. He had 88 touchdowns, 40 interceptions, a quarterback rating of about 90. So the statistics say that Mahomes obviously has been 
more productive in postseason games. There's, I mean, we're talking about for Brady, he played in 48 playoff games and, and did it into his 40s. So, like, that, that's still seven Super Bowls. It's just how it old feels is like he an astronomical when, How old number. was he when Tampa won it three years ago? He was, what, 44? He was 44. My goodness. <laughs> Led the league in passing with 5,300 yards, 43 touchdowns. Jeez. Yeah, not quite yet for Patrick on that front, but he's on the path. Yep. Uh, a 651 said, don't participate in a drinking game where you have to partake every time there's a Taylor Swift sighting. Oh, you will regret it the next day, I imagine. Any other thoughts on like the broadcast, the broadcast, the commercials? I I didn't really have like a memorable commercial, other than yeah, maybe the Dunkin' I'm, Donuts one. With I don't really like key in on the commercials no. like some people do. I just if the if there's a notable one, I'll remember it. There kind of wasn't to me, like you said. I a lot th- of people are roasting Tony Romo today. Were they? Some of them are. I, I don't know. I was just about to say I am the I am very anti Romo. I dislike listening to him especially when he calls the bills games as i've said many times i actually kind of enjoyed his commentary last night although i will say and we played it coming out here that's what he's getting don't jump in on the game-winning touchdown call in in the background you can't do that nance had a great one with the jackpot Mm -hmm. that was a a really good call you all right with kelsey singing viva las vegas I'm surprised they even give him the mic in these in these trophy ceremonies. He's so anymore. much like a like a WWE wrestler type guy. Which I mean, you're gonna get that in, in football. Or how about the like the the minute no cutaway of him and Taylor Swift hugging and kissing? Would you, you get with that? Uh, well, that, that's just in case there was a, the last three rounds, so you knew that was coming. <laughs> in case there was a go into one knee, they didn't want to miss it. <laughs> you could could have bet on that. You could, yeah, actually, you literally could have. I didn't, but um, all right, we've had plenty of you weigh in. We can maybe get to your text as we go along. Two one seven three five nine twenty two fifty five on the U of I Atlanta Link text line. Enjoyed talking Super Bowl. We can do some more of that before we get out of here. I do want to transition, though. A lot of people probably revved up and and ready to talk some Illini basketball. That game in East Lansing on Saturday with Illinois coming up short, 88-80. to A game they had in hand and seemingly in control going into the final six and a half minutes. Let Let that thing slip away. As I said, they're still in second place in the Big Ten with Wisconsin swoon here recently, losing four straight, got blasted uh, at the rack on Saturday as well. You've got Northwestern there at eight and five, uh, Illinois eight and four, Purdue eleven and two. So we'll talk some Big Ten hoops. Brad Underwood is meeting with the media at three fifteen. Uh, I know that is in progress or, or just finishing up over there at Oven. We'll see if we get that to you today or maybe tomorrow. Illinois is back in action. At home against the Michigan Wolverines, a team that doesn't have Doug McDaniel when they go on the road, as we know, and just got just smacked and eviscerated uh, in Lincoln without him over the weekend. So again, Illinois definitely should win. Still a good team, but uh, I get the sour feelings that are out there after that loss to Michigan State. We'll talk about that when we return. Stick with us. This is The Drive. Get the roof your home deserves by Roof Doctors, your residential roofing specialist that has always offered the best warranties in the industry, like our non-prorated 50-year warranty. Our customers love that we are family-owned and locally operated. We make our customer needs our top priority. With over 30 years' experience and the best customer service, give Roof Doctors a call today for your free estimate at 328-7529. In your community and for your community, Roof Doctors. Are you tired of getting the short end of the stick and always being stuck with cold water for your showers? Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing is here to help. With current tax incentives and rebates, you can save up to $900 on a high-efficiency tankless water heater, unlimited hot water, and saving on your energy bills. It seems like the best gift you could give your home. With the current promotion of 0% financing for qualified applicants, you can't afford not to call. 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Your home's best friend. 
Hi, I'm JT Barnhart, the president of OSF Heart of Mary Medical Center. Really want to promote our emergency room services at Heart of Mary, uh, getting ready to do a campaign just to show the community what a great service that is. When you're in a health emergency and you need care, our team at Heart of Mary will take great care of you and we'll get you in and out. Our wait times are usually less than 10 minutes. Door to provider times have run under 15 minutes. And so you're going to see a physician in less than 20 minutes when you come to Heart of Mary ER. I think that a sensational service for the community. One other area I want to promote is that OSF Heart of Mary is in network with your health insurance provider. We take all insurances, everything that is in the community, all payers, our providers, our hospital, our ancillary departments, our new surgery center, and our urgent cares accept your insurance. And so if you're having trouble getting in with a provider, know that OSF can see you timely, quickly, and we take your plan. I-L-L-I-N-I. Cheer on the Illini and Pia's. The pregame fun starts at Pia's Sports Bar and Grill. Pia's serves up its famous 10-ounce Slugger Burger along with great wings and so much more. Enjoy 350 22-ounce light and course light drafts every home and away Illini game. Watch the game at Pia's or ride the free shuttle to all home games. You'll find it all at Pia's with live video gaming, sports, food, drinks, and fun. See you at Pia's, West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. Did you know the Anita Purvis Nature Center is a home for live animals? Stop by the Nature Center. View the turtles, owls, snakes, and salamanders. These were orphaned or injured animals who wouldn't be able to survive in the wild, but they help educate the public at the Nature Center. Sponsor an educational animal for as little as $15 a month and make sure that animal has good food, housing, and medical care. For details, visit urbanaparks.org. Thank you for choosing two men in a truck. How may I help you? Hi, I have a strange question. What happens if it snows on moving day? I don't want my furniture to get wet and destroyed. Well, that's not strange at all. We have the same concerns for your furniture. With over 9 million moves completed, our team is experienced to handle any weather conditions. Because we pad and stretch wrap your furniture before we put it on the truck, we'll make sure your belongings are safe and dry no matter what the forecast says. Not sure how your move is going to work? Go to twomenandatruck.com for your free estimate. First Federal Savings Bank of Champaign-Urbana invested in our community since 1908. Before you buy your home in 2024, we invite you to speak with one of our experienced lenders, Jack, Jim, Kim, or Lane. Experience the convenience of working with a local lender with local service, decisions, and loan underwriting in our comfortable offices. Visit us to experience the exceptional friendly service from our knowledgeable staff. Hey, if you're not already banking with us, give us a try. We think you'll love it here. We do. 356bank.com, First Federal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS. In an ever-changing real estate market, it is so important to work with experienced agents like Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor teams at Taylor Realty Associates. They have the knowledge and expertise to get your home sold for the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Trust the experience and success of Russ and Nick Taylor with the Taylor team at Taylor Realty Associates. Give them a call today at 217-355-0700 or visit them online at taylorboys.com. That's taylorboys.com. Looking for a place to host a corporate meeting, intimate gathering, or a large-scale celebration? If so, the University of Illinois' Alice Campbell Alumni Center offers the perfect space and staff to make your function a success. A few rooms offered at the center include the elegant ballroom, the Richmond Family Gallery, and the premier and professional executive boardroom. For more information on renting a space at the Alice Campbell Alumni Center, visit uiaa.org alumni center or call 1-800-355-2580. Go Illini. Great college basketball game. I'm going to give Michigan State a lot of credit. They were very good today. Very, very good. And uh, we expected that with their reunion, with coming off a loss. Great environment, as good as we've seen. So my hat's off to, to Tom and, and their group. But Felt like we had the game right in hand. Up eight, Justin Harmon, wide open three. Doesn't shoot it, drives it, turns it over. I was followed by a couple more turnovers. And then... Um, some blown defensive assignments on Malik. So give them credit. They executed. We didn't. I missed the front end of a one-on-one. Missed some wide open shots. I felt good about our shots, but we had that little stretch there where we kind of turned the ball over uncharacteristically, and, and uh, that stretch in a close game was what broke our back.
That was Brad Underwood after Saturday's 88-80 defeat in East Lansing to an unranked Michigan State squad. A, a team that's played well at home. Admittedly, though, running through their home schedule, haven't really beat anybody at home outside of, I know, was it in Detroit when they shellacked Baylor? Yeah, that counts as a neutral game, even though it's in Michigan, which is kind of dumb. But Yeah, so outside of that, I know that you know the, the line was uh, Michigan State's, what, like 9-0 at home or something like that since December. But they've beaten previous Illinois, beat Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Rutgers, Penn State, Indiana State, Stony Brook, Oakland. They haven't beaten anybody. It's Indiana a, State, actually, pretty good team. Okay, yeah, that, that's a good team. But yeah, a game you should I mean, win at home, for sure. So you go into East Lansing. Knew it was going to be tough because it was a game that Michigan State didn't, I wouldn't say had to have, but they're trying to Kinda did. bolster that resume. I don't think they were going to miss the tournament. It wasn't like a maker, but you look at some of this these bracketology. I know Lenardi's higher on him. He had him in the, on the 8-9 line, but some of these other... I think they were like a 10 on bracket Ooh. matrix and you look at the rest of their schedule their only other quad one game other than saturday was at purdue mm. not winning that one this yep. was your last quad one win opportunity before the big 10 tournament so in my eyes they kind of did need it no and that's fair for sure so uh you thought that you'd get a really good effort from sparty always especially you know home game weekend game coming off a loss had time to prepare Illinois on the other side had plenty of time to get ready for that one as well after the dicey finish against Nebraska. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys about that one. Oh, Boy. lucky to even come away with that one with the way that that one finished and, and Marcus getting fouled late. But kind of goes hand in hand, though, with late game problems. Ooh, no doubt. No doubt. But this would have been Illinois' best win on the resume if they were able to secure it because they currently have three quad one wins. We were just talking off the air about FAU. By the way, they went into overtime yet again against a Wichita State team that since December is 3-13. and They were able to beat them, but boy, FAU has not looked anywhere near the same team that played tight with Illinois, that beat Arizona. Oh, they lost on Thursday night, too, to UAB. That's right. That's right, they did. So they haven't played all that well. They are not a elite win. They're still a quad one win on a neutral, a 26th in the net. Your best win on paper, I think, it, it is up to, for debate between that FAU win, the, the win at home against Michigan State, who's 23rd in that. That's a quad one. And then as of right now, at Ohio State is a quad one. Oh, I don't think that's, that's going to hold. I still don't, even though they won in double overtime over the weekend against Maryland, uh, a battle of the walking dead uh, in the Big Ten. You do have a, a chance that Rutgers playing a little bit better, having won, I think, they won three in a row mm -hmm. since Jeremiah Williams. Jeremiah Williams effect. Familiar face. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize that he was playing again. I just turned a Rutgers game on, like the game before Wisconsin. I saw he was on the court. I'm like, wait a minute. that is it that Jeremiah Williams? Well, I think playing? he sued the NCAA like everybody has this year. Oh, and he boy. And he has an injunction or whatever. Whatever the heck has happened with this season. It's wild. But they're 86th in the net. They're trending upward. Maybe that climbs into the top 75, so your win at the rack earlier this season is a quad one. But I'm glad you don't have to go to the rack here. I'm glad you got that one out of the way because if oh, you had definitely. to go there now, I'd be picking a loss heading into that game probably. Yep, for sure. On the note of that quad one win, the one that Illinois could have gotten at MSU, you're up 72-64, to 64, six and a half minutes to go. Looked very much in control. Not that it was over by any means, because it wasn't, but that Illinois had the momentum. It looked like they were ha having the game in, in their control and ability to, on what had been a pretty good game, with admittedly some terrible officiating mixed in there. We'll talk about that. Plenty of shots of Tom Izzo whining on TV, oh, which uh, we can mention that if you want. Um, that's been there for years, though, so it's not like a real surprise. That was as bad as I've seen it on Saturday, though. I mean, every every time a whistle blew, I was expecting the camera to cut to the Michigan State sideline. Uh, yeah. Got a lot of look at his neon green uh, quarter zip and then uh, the whiny face that he's uh, made popular. But after being up by eight with six and a half to go, 18 to four run for Michigan State. Swing the game the other way. You're dead in the water at that point. The late game offense was atrocious defensively on the whole, giving up 88 points to Michigan State. And we'll talk about this kind of as the 
the zoom out uh, uh, the zoom out angle for Illinois I think is is really how much this defense has fallen and what we're talking about right now is a team that does not get nearly enough stops they're still grading out exceptionally well at the offensive end defensively has been a big 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 issue but let's talk about this final six and a half minutes against Michigan State what went wrong I thought a lot of ISO. Uh, I do think that a good pivot. We talk a lot about adjustments with Brad Underwood and, and fans, and, and they bring that up. But I thought a good adjustment was getting Coleman in some booty ball matchups in the second half. Marcus Damas did not have a good first half going away from him. I know people have talked about is Marcus two ball dominant, but Hawkins was able to get some double teams and kick it out. Was able to get assists out of that. Hit a nice turnaround jump shot. But I felt like they went to that a little bit too much late. Coleman had a costly turnover that then I don't know if you count that as a missed shot or a turnover where he, he tries to sell a foul. Yeah, he missed a shot. It gives up a, a he Hogarth did also three. have a turnover, but right after that threw it out of bounds. Then Hogarth drives him for an and one. So a, a really rough stretch for for Coleman. Then you got turnovers with Harmon with the mass that were back breaking. Those were back to back that led to run outs at the other end. And then uh, our guy Luke Goody had a really tough game and Brad elected to ride with Luke late Against Malik Hall, that did not go well. Quincy subbed in. The guy hasn't been the same dude that we're used to seeing. Early in early to middle of January, he had a stretch of five double doubles in seven games of late. Hasn't been even close to the same player. Has some have had some defensive issues. And Ty Rogers riding the bench. So that's a packed a lot to unpack there. But I'll kick it back to you. Just the way that thing slid out of Illinois' fingertips, and the fact that they could have lost the previous game with some late game just mishaps what do you make of that loss in East Lansing yeah they gave it away truly I mean you expected that Michigan State was going to play well and their best players did play well but you should have won that game you had control of the game I thought Illinois played well for most of it for 34 minutes of it I thought they played a really good game on the road for the most part and they were making shots early and and Damask hits a three to put you up eight with under seven minutes to go and you need to close that game and Illinois gave it away. Michigan State didn't go do anything spectacularly to win the game. Now, they did make plays. Malik Hall, Hogarth had a couple big buckets, but Illinois fumbled a golden opportunity away, and there's only one team to blame, and it's themselves. So, yeah, it, it was just a multitude of a lot of different things. I, the turnovers were just ridiculous. Like Justin Harmon especially, his two turnovers were brutal. Brad said it in our open to this segment here where he has a wide open three attempt. Instead, pump fakes, drives, turns it over, run out for I think it was Hogard. Maybe it was Tyson Walker actually. And, and then Damask, like crucial possession down to have to have a bucket and you throw it right to A.J. Hogard, literally looking to – on a post-entry pass to Coleman Hawkins. It's, that's the type of stuff that can't happen on the road. My biggest concern, though, remains, and, and again, going seven minutes without a point to close the game is unacceptable. Big reason why you lost, absolutely. But I think this Illinois offense is still really good. By far my biggest concern going forward about this team is they just can't stop anyone right now. 88 points to Michigan State. They had 56 in Minnesota on oh, Tuesday. Man. Tom Izzo was at the podium calling out half his lineup because they couldn't do anything against Minnesota, who I know they're a little better this year, but 56 against Minnesota. They've been in the sixth. 88 points just can't happen for this Illinois team, and it's been a just a pattern here of really poor defensive outings, defensive mistakes, teams exploiting matchups. Like for as much as Illinois likes to exploit matchups and get their mismatches, other coaches are doing the exact same thing to them on the other end, whether it's Coleman in the post one-on-one with some really good big men, whether it's Luke Goody who just is being put in positions where, you know, he. I think he's a really good, useful bench player. Defense isn't his strength, especially in certain matchups, including against 6'8", 230-something Malik Hall in the mm. post. And to leave him out to dry in that matchup, you can't expect that to go well. I thought Ty Rogers absolutely should have been in your closing lineup there, as it seemed like he was starting to be against Ohio State and against Nebraska. Man, I would have liked his physicality, whether it was against Hall, whether it was against Hogard, whoever it was. 
his defense, his physicality on that end, I think would have helped you. I also think he could have secured a couple of those rebounds that Luke Goody couldn't couldn't really grasp there. There's a couple defensive rebounds that Illinois couldn't get. I just thought he should have played, and and just in general, whatever it is, I mean, it, it's a lot of different things. There's a lot of different reasons why this defense has really dropped off, but they just can't stop anybody. Guards are living at the rim. Guards are pitching a tent at the rim every game against this Illinois team. Obviously, we've gone over the the big man issues. That wasn't a problem with Michigan State because they don't have it. Their centers were horrendous. You're, that's the other thing. You're playing five on four defensively on like most possessions of this game. You have Coleman just sitting there in the paint as a help defender, and you still give up 88. I know you look singularly at what happened down the stretch, and you're going to want to point to the scoring drought not being able to get buckets. But bigger picture there's something going wrong here defensively and Illinois just isn't going to go very far in the postseason if they can't guard anybody for as good as their offense is we've seen that it can go dry at times and if you can't get stops you're not going to win and that's really concerning to me you give up 1.3 points per possession to Michigan State 23 points on the fast break of course Turning the ball over does right. not help uh, right. as far as that goes. But, but some of them were off makes, though. That's there was true. a couple yes. of times where Michigan State beat you down the floor off made shots. Yep. That cannot happen. No, that's a great point. And yeah, late getting the ball to Malik Hall, scores through Goody Fernand one. Then when Goody got subbed out for Quincy Garrier, who was in foul trouble all game and just not playing well. He was just totally out of position. He kind of he seems like he's lunging a lot, and he like gives up a lane to to Hall. Tries to recover. I think that Hall got an and one on him as well on he did. that play. And Luke actually got subbed out for Quincy in very next play. Quincy and one. So <sighs> there's just no winning there, except if maybe number twenty got a chance. I don't get that one. Ty was playing well, I mean, even was. offensively. I think he was four for five from the field. A guy that is has. Has limitations, of course. He doesn't shoot the ball at all. But I think he's he's kind of settled in a little bit more into who he is offensively, a guy that can can score at the rim, has a post-up game. And I, I don't know that he's the answer of like, oh, if the ball was in Ty Rogers' hands late, like he would have subsided any turnover issues. I don't or, think it would have been, though. Cause you it wouldn't, put no, it in, and it wouldn't have put been. put it into Mask's hands yeah. all year. And we could talk about like, should they run have run more stuff for Shannon? I thought Shannon settled for too many jump shots late. He took nine threes in this game. I think it was two for nine from three. He settled for too many of those. But yes, defensively, and I, I've used the January first marker a lot in trying to to see who this this version of Illinois is, which that that kind of landmark in terms of the sample size has Illinois as an elite offensive team. So since January one. Illinois is third in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. You look at defensive efficiency, though, 88th, 88th in the country. And if you even like zoom in to where Shannon has returned, since Shannon's returned, they're ninth in the country in offense. They're 96th in the country in defense. They have gotten not better at all on defense, which is shocking to me with Shannon back. They've actually nationally, I know it's only a three and a half week window. They've actually gotten worse. Shannon has not been a stopper on defense at all since returning. Uh, he's actually kind of been a liability. Mix in with what you were talking about, the fact of Hawkins when he gets isolated, and we'll see it. I know that Michigan had a, a good amount of scoring with, with Terrace Reed and also Kamwa against you. Not that I'm worried about Michigan tomorrow night, but really it's kind of looking forward to Saturday, Saturday with Julian Reese again. And then further on down the line, it's it's time now where you're really trying to take stock of who is this team going to be in the tournament. Oh, by the way, uh, bracket bracket matrix currently has Illinois as a four seed projected. We can I'm talk more about that. By that, I, I, that says more about the rest of the teams than it does Illinois to me, because this Illinois resume is unimpressive right now. It is. I want to get into more of that. I know we got to catch a break here. Let's talk more about the kind of the zoom out angle, both with defense. I'll talk more about that. Who they're. Their analytics are starting to remind me of. I don't think Illinois fans will like what I'm going to say. Uh, and then just going forward and trying to put yourself in the best position possible for the NCAA tournament. We've got some people weighing in. We'll get to your text. 217-359-2255 on the U of I. A line on link text line. We'll talk more Illinois basketball when we return. This is The Drive.